Welcome to Heart of the Enneagram. I'm Chris Copeland. And I'm Sandra Smith. And we invite you to take a courageous and loving look at what is. It's a map of me of my inner landscape. It's, it's a map of my internal operating system. So when I get stuck now, I know where to look inside myself to shift. So as you said, Chris, it's more about how I'm getting out of my own way. Sandra. Chris, hi. I'm excited about this podcast series. <laughs> Me too. Thanks for doing this. This is awesome. We get to spend this time together. It is. Thanks for the invitation to join you in this endeavor. Well, it's a it's a wonderful thing we get to do together. So we are launching this podcast called Heart of the Enneagram. Uh, say some about why, why we call it Heart of the Enneagram. Yeah, Heart of the Enneagram came forward in our minds and hearts because we wanted to take this information deeper. It's just so easy for people to grasp the concept of the Enneagram and the nine types. And yet, often people stop there. It's like buying a good pair of hiking boots, finding the trail, and not taking the hike. Absolutely. Because part of the, the gift of the Enneagram is learning types and then taking steps from there. And so many people stop right at the, what is my type? And then just begin to live out kind of out of those patterns and habits without really taking the next step. So that's what we're hoping to do is really invite people onto that path, that looking a little deeper, exploring deeper. Right. And in that process, you know, self-observation and presence are prerequisite for this journey. Mm. Yeah. So at its heart, I think the Enneagram has us cultivating presence in order to deepen our own self-awareness. That's beautiful. And I would say the other piece of that is that we, we talk a little bit about this as we, in this first part of our podcast, we'll talk about the different nine types and then we'll move into spiritual dimensions. Mm-hmm. And one of the, what I say, the, one of the important things is we, the presence, Enneagram brings us into presence and then we know our type and then we have to have practices. Mm-hmm. There's, there gotta be things that we do intentionally that help us sort of interrupt those patterns or become yes. aware when the patterns emerge so that we can make different kinds of choices. Well said, Chris. And often these practices are very small, practical steps. Yes, absolutely. And practices for one type might not work for a different Enneagram type. Exactly. So we'll get to hear from people who are going to help us understand more about that. So Sandra, tell me about how you got interested in the Enneagram. What's some of your story about that? Oh, it's kind of a fun story, Chris. In the summer of 91, I had finished my, my first year of theology school at Emory, and I was on staff at Ring Lake Ranch in Dubois, Wyoming. And there was a sister of Loretta from Chicago walking around with a T-shirt on that said, Hi, I'm a one. And I remember running up to Sister Agnes saying, Oh, one must be the best. How do I get to be a one? <laughs> and she did what you did. Yes. She just laughed and handed me an Enneagram book. And I immediately read the whole thing and typed myself as a type three. Hmm. because I was focusing on my behavior. Right. Um, I lead with type eight, not three, but it took me a while to really understand 
the the deeper dive of the Enneagram. Absolutely. How about you? How well, did you Well, I want to this? say too that you mentioned about behavior. Uh, that's one of the things that when I teach, I always say that, you know, we can't type other people because what we do when we watch others is we're looking at behavior. Right. And Enneagram's really... For me, my, in my understanding, it's really rooted in, or one way we can understand ourselves is by motivation. Why do we do yes. what we do? And so that's why, for me, online tests and things that sort of only are observational are not really helpful. Right. Uh, so if we can get to these questions of why, why do I do what I do? And those online tests really um, short circuit our own self-exploration. Yep. They do because they, uh, you, we you answer questions and then mm. out pops a response. And then I think people begin to read their lives through the lens of whatever that test told them that they were. And then use an Enneagram type as an excuse for behavior. Exactly. Which is a big no-no, really. It is. Because yeah. we want the Enneagram to be a source of liberation, a source of freedom. Right. Not to sort of re... Um, uh, build up or uh, shore up the type structure right. type patterns. Yeah. So, you know, in our learning of the system, we, we realize that more than likely we're born with a particular Enneagram style. Mm -hmm. So I, I know our mentor and friend David Daniels has looked at temperament and type and found the nine temperaments pair up really well with the nine types. And neuroscience tells us we're born with a particular filter. Sure. So it's basically kind of how we come into the world, how we're wired, how we see mom and dad, why siblings don't see parents the same way. Mm -hmm. uh, so we have some preferences. But please keep in mind, I mean, I, you know, I want to use it to predict what someone's going to do right. or what I'm going to do, but we can't. It's only preferences. So tell us how you came to the Enneagram. Sure. So uh, in a similar time frame, uh, it was probably 1994 is my guess, 93, okay. 94, uh, when I was a student at Emory, uh, uh, Candler School of Theology. Uh, a professor there did a workshop, and I uh, was invited to come by a, by a friend. And I sat through this workshop, and I, um, I was really intrigued, and I was mm. captured uh, particularly uh, as he began describing type four, which is what I mm. now understand myself to lead with type four, and be thinking someone outside of my experience could articulate so clearly some of right. my thinking, my feeling, uh, the way I kind of view the world. It was a little spooky, and it was pretty amazing. And so I went straight from there, that workshop, and began reading books and gathering whatever I could about it, and and have been reading and and uh, ever since then. And you know, you and I, part of my step was uh, becoming a certified teacher in right. the in the narrative tradition, which I know that's part of your journey as well. Right, and it was my first experience doing an Enneagram intensive with Helen and David, Helen Palmer and David Daniels, that I actually first sat on the type three panel and sort of fit in. Mm -hmm. We had the same energy. We had all been pulled for speeding, right? <laughs> but it wasn't until the next day when the eight panel got up and I could not believe that people were up there talking about my inside thoughts mm. and feelings like you. I just yes. couldn't contain my energy. I got up and just had to pace the back of the room. I was so stunned. <laughs> 
Yes, and I think energetically it won't surprise you that when I heard the four panel or another panel, I was just deeply moved, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> the te- a single tear came down my cheek. No, It's I'm, quite precious. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I joke a little bit, but, the, but it is true that... Mm-hmm. that um, being sort of known in that way, right. uh, it, 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 in a way, broke some parts open for me. Mm. It made me realize that um, I don't, I'm just, I'm not stuck in this way of being or this way of living that I do have choice. And one of the things I love about the Enneagram and, and often teach is that, and people get a little nervous when we, you know, don't type me, they'll say, or mm-hmm. don't put me in that box. Mm-hmm. And what I say is we're already in a box, right? right? And what the Enneagram helps us do is recognize that box so that we're not stuck in those habits and patterns and we can actually get out of it. And from that place, it's, I think, important to understand that the Enneagram is not a typing system. It really isn't. Say more about that. So people think it's a there are nine types. Any is Greek for nine. Oh, don't, as you said, don't put a type on me. Don't put me in a box. But in fact, it's more like it's a map of me, of my inner landscape. It's, it's a map of my internal operating system. So when I get stuck now, I know where to look inside myself mm-hmm. to shift. Right. So as you said, Chris, it's more about how I'm getting out of my own way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's been so helpful. So... Because we all, every one of the nine types or styles, we contribute, we get in our own way, right? We, contr- we, we do things mm-hmm. that um, uh, don't get us what we really want, ultimately. Right. And kind of becoming aware of how we contribute to that is a pretty um, humbling and also invitational thing. And it's, it's quite a growing experience because this is a... These preferences have strong neural pathways in us. Mm -hmm. And so to change means creating these new pathways, which means, and I can hear Helen Palmer saying this, go counter-instinctive. Right. You know? Right. So we're rewiring the brain as part of what we're doing as we not just learn about the Enneagram, but then do these practices and, and make different choices in the midst. We're rewiring. That's what the Enneagram is about. It's about finding my way internally, finding a space to watch myself, get some distance from my thoughts, feelings, and actions, so I come to responsible choice. Absolutely. Do I choose the same path? Can I go a different way? Hmm. It's a powerful moment, this space catching. It is. It is. Um, And it's why we're doing this podcast is because I think there... um, there are many folks out there who talk about it, which is great, and I think talk about it often on a fairly um, surface level and don't get to what you're talking about. Uh, and I think that we're wanting to get, go deeper. Yes. So tell me, Sandra, um, I know that you use the Enneagram. You've been, you, you, both of us have been exposed for now uh, over 25, almost 30 years, right. perhaps, about the Enneagram. And I know that you use it in your work. Talk about what you do with the, uh, the Enneagram now, what your work is. Right. So I certified in 2001, and I've been teaching since then. And my teaching has expanded to, you know, public workshops or type groups, to using it with spiritual direction or leadership honing. 
And as we know, the Enneagram has become quite popular in corporate settings and organizational life. Right. So there are uh, a number of organizations and hospital systems that I've worked with. You know, leaders and managers like to deepen their self-awareness because they can better understand their impact on other people. Mm-hmm. And then if they know the Enneagram styles of the people they manage, they can better incentivize or motivate their folks. Right, absolutely. uh, And misunderstandings cease. And the more deeply we understand each other, it elevates trust. Mm. And that's foundational for high-performing teams and individuals. Absolutely. And that's, the Enneagram is such a gift in corporate culture, business culture, in churches, in nonprofits, right. for individuals. I mean, mm-hmm. we, it is an amazing tool in that way. So share with us what you do with the Enneagram and how you use sure. it. Sure. Yeah, teaching. I certified um, in the same organization, what uh, the Narrative Enneagram. Right. Uh, and I certified in 2014. Okay. Um, and uh, I've been after that, and even a little before that, uh, was teaching the Enneagram primarily at uh, Wake Forest University School of Divinity, where yes. I'm on the faculty. And uh, my favorite class to teach, and I think one of my students' favorite to take, is uh, we call the spirituality of the Enneagram. And we do, uh, one of the ways we teach is the panel method, and that's in the right. narrative tradition, which I really love, is we gather a group of pan- a, a group to sit on a panel in front of the rest of the class. And typically we do this by type, so you might have three or four people who identify as type yes. seven or type nine or whatever, and asking questions, have them begin to tell some of their story. And I, I found true for me, and I heard you say some of this too, Sandra, that um, hearing other people articulate um, tell some stories about how they live in this these tight patterns. Uh, it softens my heart. Oh, it makes me yeah. come to a place of compassion. I, I'll never forget hearing a group of ones mm. um, talk about how hard it was to live in this this constant critical mind. But I felt this sense of compassion uh, that I would not have gotten, I think, just by someone teaching it from a podium. But because I heard people's stories in this narrative way, it was transformative. And that's our hope with this podcast, that that people will share some stories to help us better understand uh, the depth of humanity, if you will, so that we're less judgmental and more compassionate. But certainly for ourselves, to find that entry point into compassion for self. Yes. So we can, as one of our um, friends say, can I? Can you hold yourself in your own heart? Mm, yes. Yeah. Beautiful. I often talk about how the Enneagram helps us cultivate compassion for self and for others. That's mm-hmm. one of the gifts, and I that's certainly been my experience, and as I've taught it. Right. I remember in many an Enneagram intensive, David Daniels talking about the golden rule and he says you know the golden rule has it wrong it's it's do unto others as they would have you do unto them Mm. otherwise it's a projection and this is the place that the enneagram has been so meaningful to me that unless i really know who i am and where i'm coming from i think you're me right i'll project what i think and feel onto you right but to know that you lead with type four and i lead with type eight tells me we have some things in common Yep. We can be intense it's and super hold that intense, space. Right? Yes. <laughs> but then we have uh, some differences. Right. And as we go through these episodes, it's so important to remember that we humans are more alike than different. Absolutely. But to understand the nuance can help us offer more compassion. Mm-hmm.
So we're going to hear from nine different people in this first part of our podcast series uh, where we'll be looking at exemplars, at people who will be um, demonstrating for us through their own story and experiences each of these nine styles around the Enneagram. And it, it may be, uh, you said a little bit about this, but you know, the Enneagram, it, the word itself means it's a nine-pointed figure. And, mm-hmm. and so it is nine points around a, a circle and they're nine numbers. And we, you'll hear, we'll talk about the Enneagram numbers mostly not using names, but right. numbers. And no no style, no Enneagram style is better or worse than others. Exactly. So we're all we're all on a level playing field here. The way I say it is every every type has gifts and mm-hmm. every type has challenges or shadow. Right. And there's no judgment about that. It right. just is what it is. And we have a little bit of all nine types within us. That's right. So as we go through and listen to each of these exemplars, they will touch a piece of us because we too carry that. Yeah, I'm not a one, but I know the inner critic, as do you. Absolutely. Yeah. It makes me think, as you say that, Sandra, that uh, if we have listeners who don't know much about the Enneagram or don't know their type, um, you know, we said that the online tests and things are not the best way to to identify. Um, what What do you recommend to folks who are interested in learning more about the Enneagram, uh, so that this may be more meaningful as they listen? I would, there's several books that are great. We have a favorite. We do. <laughs> of course, our mentors and teachers, yes. friends, Helen Palmer and David Daniels, their, their books are great. David's book, The Essential Enneagram, has a wonderful uh, piece at the beginning that helps you begin to learn more about what type you might identify most with. And I, I think that's a really helpful tool. Yes. Um, and I love Helen Palmer's book, The Enneagram, which is what I use in my teaching quite a bit. Right. And to read each of those chapters and, and simply observe where the four is in you or mm-hmm. the five or the six. Exactly. Right. And one chapter that you read will feel like someone wrote a book about you. <laughs> At least that was my experience. How did they know? How did they know? And then I remember discovering that I was an aide. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not the only one who feels and thinks exactly. this way. I'm not alone. Exactly. I had the same experience, which of course, for a four, mm. you know, I have this sense of isolation or I'm different or unique. And it actually was quite comforting yes. uh, to realize, oh, I'm not the only one who who thinks or feels or experiences life this way. Yeah. So speaking of books, uh, we have a book that we want to share with our listeners. Yes, its title is Heart of the Enneagram, a companion for deepening personal and spiritual growth. And in the book, we have quotes and uh, prayers that we will share as a part of this podcast series, as well as the questions that we ask each of our, our uh, guests. And this is for people to be able to listen along the podcast and engage the question themselves. Right. And you can also use the book without engaging the podcast. Podcast, but we hope you'll do both because the book does ask uh, some great questions to help us deepen our own self-awareness. Absolutely. And we can get the book uh, at Amazon.com. So if you go to Amazon.com and look for Heart of the Enneagram, you'll find it there. Probably the best place to find it is on our website, heartoftheenneagram.com. Um, and you, there there'll be a link to purchase our book. And we'll also have them available when we do workshops and teachings and folks can get them from us. So we invite you to continue your journey with us. The next episode will be about the three centers of intelligence. Yep. So each of the, just to say a a word about that, of the nine types, they're broken into triads, what we call heart types, head types, and body types, or centers of intelligence. And we're going to explore that more deeply next time. And then after that, we're going to hear from nine different uh, diverse people, life experiences, and uh, for each of the types. Thank you, Chris, for um, the companionship. 
uh, as we explore this. Well, I'm excited about this adventure. I'm grateful to have you as a companion and a colleague in it. And um, I look forward to the fun and also the profound uh, things that we'll learn together. Here we go. Thank you. So with heartfelt gratitude, I'm Chris. And I'm Sandra. And we invite you to continue to look courageously and lovingly at what is. We want to thank all who've made this podcast a reality, including Wake Forest University School of Divinity, for their financial and institutional support. For Sally Ann Morris, who composed our theme music, and for Toby Becker, who provided graphic design. Thanks to Eric Merle for his editing expertise, to Tom and Lynn Berner, who provided recording space and to the narrative Enneagram and our mentors, Helen Palmer and Dr. David Daniels, its founders. And special thanks to all of our guests. We offer this podcast as a free resource for personal and spiritual growth. And in order to continue this work, we need your support. Please visit our website, heartoftheenneagram.com, to make a contribution and to purchase our companion book. In the days that lie ahead, may your mind be curious, your heart courageous, and your presence compassionate.